Welcome to week two of Blue Tees Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Luque, with my brother Michael here. What's up, everyone? How you doing? And uh, today we got something special, and I don't, I don't even know if the listeners, are, listeners of this podcast are going to be ready to take this one in. We have Jen Spencer on, who is a, has had a long career in marketing and sales. She graduated from the University of Arizona. And she started her career in the theater arts category. For those of the listeners that are interested in that, um, she pivoted all the way into into tech. And so Mike and I are really excited to have the, have her on, and um, we're really looking forward to to seeing Jen. And her and I actually go way back, so it's been a long time since I've seen her. Yeah, it's going to be awesome to hear her story and how she pivoted pivoted from theater and and teaching and everything to now technology and sales and marketing is going to be a whole wild ride so we're super excited to dive deeper into that um and it should be an awesome awesome podcast for you guys so jen also has a has a background in in uh, local philanthropy here in here in the phoenix area with girls in tech um and i'm anxious to hear a little bit more about that as well so integrating philanthropy into your professional career can definitely bolster but bolster your your entire life both professionally and and uh personally so all righty welcome jen thanks so much for being here as our second guest um i'm really excited about this whole um getting to reconnect with you after coming up on two years since it's been we we went to italy together on that ef tour um and to give our listeners some more context about that we uh we went all the way across this world in stuck in harrisburg pennsylvania and and all these different places where I'd never thought I'd go and missing flights to Athens. And, um, it was just, you got to see a whole different side of a whole group of, of people on that school trip. And it ended up being something very memorable. So, so great to reconnect with you, Jen. And, um, and like I said, Delta as, as, as our, you know, shout out to Delta. They're, they're not really welcome back on our show anytime soon. (laughs) Um, not a, not a lot of love or empathy for 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 a group of forty uh, some odd, uh, uh, mostly students looking for a place to stay in the middle of the night in New York City. But but we we weathered the storm and got to see some pretty cool stuff as soon as we got to to Greece and then more time in Italy. Of course, I can't wait to get back. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I wish I could have gone. You know, we actually replaced you with a Delta exec. He was supposed to be on this week, and we were like, you know what? We're, you're not welcome on. We, we just can't do this. We'd rather interview Jen. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, well, thank you. So cool. Uh, we'll kick it off with our first kind of question for most of our of our guests that we're going to um, just kind of keep it light and, and ask you a question about, you know, your early career, your first job experiences. What's something that we can kind of laugh together about on on Blue Tees podcast about your early career? So, so I think well, I started my career as a high school English and theater arts teacher, and we can get back to that maybe later, but or maybe not. But but my next job after I left teaching was working for a nonprofit regional professional theater company called Arizona Theater Company. So producing house. Um, producing work in Tucson and Phoenix, Arizona, and working in a nonprofit, super stressful, um, but a lot of fun, something I'm, def- I'm definitely passionate, you know, about, about the arts and the performing arts specifically. But so every, at the beginning of the season, or actually like far beyond before the season, we would have 
to estimate how many tickets do we think we're going to sell to this particular show and then figure out the cost of like what how many we want to print in advance and we printed in advance because we had um because of, of of like an expense of being able to like save a bunch of money if we could print it earlier right 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 so we like but then every once in a while we would have like a runaway hit so we were doing the show called hair it was like crazy like selling like hotcakes we were in the middle of um like a, a recession at the time this was like like 2007 2008 so we needed to sell as many as we could and we had told like the the, the people over at the theater that worked at at the herberger we said listen like we we need you to try to like recycle like repurpose as many playbills as you possibly can because we only ordered x amount and this happens to be a hit we want to have these are people so we get a call and it's like, hey, we're we're out of playbills. Like we don't have any. You're gonna have to order more, which was gonna cost us like ten grand, and we didn't have ten grand to spend. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to the theater and go hunt around, and literally I went dumpster diving into <laughs> in, in the theater, like and like finding boxes, and I would find boxes of like. Some of them, I swear, I thought no one even opened the like these were haven't even been touched by anyone. Right. Yeah. Like, there was a box and maybe they were used once. And it's funny to talk about this during a pandemic and or like. With yeah. COVID. Yeah. Like, oh, I was yeah. just thinking like, that. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you? So you, you were the but, source here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, wait a minute. These are still good. And these are still good. And like it was just a really it, first of all, it was like a really big good lesson in like spending every dollar as if it was your own and 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 how much those things cost. But also as you're like digging literally in the trash as part of your job, you think, oh, this must be that other duties as assigned bullet point that's in my job description. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the the fine print p- description. Yeah. So. yeah. That is that is hilarious. That's awesome. Awesome. So, um, kind of going back to like where you did first start uh, within the teaching. Obviously, you graduated at University of Arizona. Um, what kind of drew you to start out with teaching, and then maybe kind of what made the jump to the theater and the the marketing and sales aspect? Where where, where did that kind of come from? Yeah, I have a I have a really weird journey. Like, yeah, I told yeah. All the time. We this is why that. we love it. We were like, <laughs> I, I I was just overwhelmed looking through your whole career. Like, man, where it's do like, we go? It's like the Dos Equis commercial. Like, the most interesting <laughs> woman <laughs> in <Exactly>. the world. <laughs> it's uh, it, and here here's here's what it came down to, right? So when I first went to college, my plan was I always had a, had a plan especially young, I was like, I have to have a plan. Guess what? Your plan, whatever you plan out is never what will be. So you, you, you kind of roll with it. But but my plan was I was going to major in journalism. I was going to minor in theater. I was going to move to New York. I was going to go get my master's, maybe at Columbia or NYU. I was going to go be a theater critic for the New York Times because that's like a reasonable plan, right? Like, yeah. I'm just going to go oh, do yeah. that. <laughs> um, Got to college, realized I didn't really love the journalism classes, loved my English classes, loved writing. And I basically had this like queue of fellow students, like dorm mates, like lining up for me to read their essays and edit them and like help them fine tune it. And when I looked at the classes I wanted to take and I looked at what I was feeling I was good at teaching just seemed to make the most sense, like teaching English. And then I had the opportunity to put together 
sort of my own major, right? It was like extended English, like drama, journalism, classics. So I just felt like it gave me that flexibility, but I always knew I wasn't going to be a teacher my whole life. I wasn't going into education because I wanted to change the world for children. Like all of those lovely yeah. things. Yeah, like, yeah. That just wasn't, that wasn't what drove me. I was just thinking very selfishly, like, I love consuming content. I love analyzing content. I love helping others do the same. So this is a way I can keep doing what I'm doing for now. And then I was volunteering with Arizona Theater Company as a teacher to get free theater tickets because I was a poor teacher and I wanted yeah. to go to shows. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like I can drive this little bus, this little like mini bus and take students to the theater and get to like see all these shows and eat pizza and meet actors. I'm like, this sounds awesome. Um, so let me just go with, run, you know, roll with this. And I gave up like all my Saturdays um, for, for like a couple of years until an opportunity opened and at the theater company to do it kind of work full time there. And I think, and this is like the beginning of like the rest of every other decision I've made, but if I think back even to being in high school and when I was in the arts and we had this agent that came to speak with like our advanced like theater group and she was trying to convince us to go move to LA, move into this house with her, go like be actors and everything. And I was so skeptical for all the reasons you should be skeptical. And I said, well, like what happens if you don't succeed? Like who do you fall, what do you fall back on? And she said, you fall back on yourself. Now I didn't follow her and go live with her in LA. Yeah. <laughs> that uh -huh. was on my path, right? But I really took that to heart. I'll fall back on myself. So every leap I've made when I left, I'm like, when I left teaching to go work for the theater company, I thought, hmm, like I think I'll regret it if I don't pursue this. And worst case scenario, I'll fall back on myself. I'll go back. I know I can be a teacher. I know it's something I'm good at and I like. And that pattern that like con internal conversation is something I've had over and over and over again. Um, and I'm also a Pearl Jam fan. Listen, I grew up in like fair San Francisco Bay area grunge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Like, Oh yeah. So like pure 39 and the whole thing. <laughs> I'm going to ride the wave. Any better? Like ride the wave. I'll ride the wave where it takes me. So it's like, I know I trust myself and I trust that I'll land on my feet. And so I'm going to look for these waves that I can ride and kind of see what can propel me. And so I was only at ATC, um, the theater company. I was only there for six months before someone in marketing was like, hey, we think you'd be good at PR. Do you want to try this? I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything about PR. Well, we think you do. And it was just a sink or swim, up, swim opportunity. And my whole career there, it just was how can I consume as much information as possible? How can I pull up a chair with whoever I possibly can to understand what they do so I can decide, do I like this? Do I not like this? Yeah. Like, and it's always been like a gut decision of like, ooh, I like the way this feels. I want to do more of this. And like, let me continue to pursue it. So that's that's like the beginning of how I got really to where I am. Well, that's awesome. That's I think such that, a great answer. Yeah. I think I think that's a great way to for the especially the listeners to in my shoes, I'm studying marketing and like doing everything that you're doing. But at the end of the day, you don't I don't know where I'm gonna be. You know what I mean? I could be going into finance, I could be doing something like that. So like that whole idea of like you you can always fall back on yourself. 
I, I think that really resonates a lot. I, and I think it's awesome to hear. So, yeah, that I just, I think you've, you've answered it perfectly just describing your, your kind of early mentality. Right. And that's the objective of the podcast is to break down these mentalities. Cause we could get into the technicalities of everywhere you've worked and, and, and get into all those details. But I think specifically what we're interested in as a podcast is, okay, how, what was going through your mind, right? And how were you um, able to propel yourself forward, as you said? So I thank you so much yeah. for that answer. And, and, and that's great. Yeah. Um, so we'll kind of, uh, we'll kind of uh, bring you through. So it sounds like you're at this point in your career at the uh, Arizona Theater Company, and then you got, you moved up the chain. So if you want to maybe describe, um, would, was this the official career jump position for you or was it at a, at a later gig that you were working? Um, if that makes sense, because like you said, you were out of school with basically focusing on the arts and, and then you transitioned into marketing. And so would you pin, where would you kind of pinpoint as the, as the career shift? The career shift happened when I took a PR manager, the PR manager role at Arizona Theater Company. Yeah. So the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Like joining a marketing team. And, and the, one of the great things about working in a nonprofit and the same goes for a startup because I, I, I spent some time in startups as well, which helped me get to where I am now, but is there's more work to do than there are hands to do it. And there's a little more, um, there's a little less risk adversity, right? Like you're, you're just kind of like, you're open because you kind of have no other choice. So I had an opportunity with Arizona Theater Company to own things that I would have never in a corporate environment been given the opportunity to touch because there would have been some kind of chaining of command versus you're somewhere like a nonprofit or a startup and it's all hands on deck. And it's just like, what, what can you do and what do you want to do and how can you, how can you help? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why, you know, I was there eight years and by the time I left, I was running sales and marketing. I was responsible for bringing in all of our earned revenue. So we had nonprofits have contributed revenue that comes in through donations and earned revenue. And in the theater world, it's ticket sales. So I lived and breathed by that daily ticket sales report and all of our marketing decisions, all of our actions had to result in these sales and we had a finite amount of inventory to sell once the show was over once the Tuesday night performance was over you can't then sell those Tuesday night seats like you're done mm-hmm. so i i had this sense of urgency and um and and driving revenue and they just built into me without really even even knowing um So that, I mean, that was, was really key. And when I've over my career earlier, like as I left and transitioned into, into more of like the software space, sales leaders, you know, I came in kind of as the the marketer sales leaders approached me. They're like, wow, you get it. Like you get it. I'm like, yeah, of course I get it. Cause I used to go to bed at night worrying that if we didn't sell $40,000 in tickets the next day, we couldn't make payroll on Friday. So, and that's ultimately why I left nonprofit because I, you get to a certain point, eight years. I mean, it was exhausting to have that kind of pressure. And so I just needed a little bit of a, of a, of a change of pace. Um, but that was, that was really the, the, the shift was, was for me, it was like moving into a, and moving into an organization that really encouraged 
that kind of like, you know, everyone's in this, like everyone kind of find a, a way and a place and to help. And there's nothing kind of beneath anyone um, in, in the organization. Yeah. And it sounds like the intensity was there in both situations, right? Like how you were saying, right. yeah, with selling tickets and making payroll versus moving into a startup or um, of something alike, right? It's equally as, um, as you have to be equally as, as, uh, as tactful in your decisions, right? Yep. Everything has to be, it's like that. It's a, it's marketing and sales. It's a blend of art and science and, and you, and you use all the data you possibly can, but then you also have to lean on kind of some gut feelings and, you know, where, where, where you see kind of the markets going and like taking some risks and any successful person has, you know, stories of failure, right? They have stories of like times they kind of fell flat on their face and you have to have those. Um, but that, that's where a nonprofit in the startup world, just they're ripe with those kinds of opportunities to learn. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I just have a quick question for you. So being like emphasizing in marketing within school right now, I've, I've been told like there's so much simul similarity between marketing and sales, but mm -hmm. yet they're all very different. Like, could you compare the two of them? Like what are, what makes them similar and what also makes them different as well? So this is like, we could have a whole like class. We could have a whole like year long <laughs> probably class on this. But, um, but I think one way I like to think about it is that, um, is that marketing is planting the seeds and sales is harvesting like the fruits. Right. Uh -huh. And so if you are, you can have a marketing engine like we do, like in my organization now at Smartbag Media, the kind of work we do for our, what we do for ourselves and what we do for our clients. Um, my sales reps are literally picking fruit off the tree, right? Mm -hmm. In some cases, the fruit has landed. It's like fallen on top yeah. of them, right? Because marketing has driven, marketing is at the head of sales and they're driving that yeah. demand. In other organizations, marketing might be very, very light and sales is out there really having to hunt and they don't have the opportunity to be kind of gathering or sewing, you know, and, and, and so a really successful organ company revenue organization is going to have a very aligned marketing and sales team so that marketing is, in my opinion, marketing is at the forefront. Like I had that opportunity when I joined NetTime Solutions, which was a, 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 like a really awesome part of my career because I got to build something from scratch and then take that company through acquisition. Mm -hmm. um, but, but my CEO was really smart and the board was really smart and they hired me to lay the marketing strategy first. And so I had a couple month runway before they brought in a director of sales, a new director of sales to then kind of, you know, to, to then kind of work, work the business. Um, but there are so many organizations out there that where marketing is like a cost center where it's an administrative function where people think of the marketers as doing arts and crafts. And you tend to see that in much larger, um, enterprise organizations. And those aren't, those aren't the places that I, that I belong. Uh -huh. So I look at sales and marketing. Like it's for me, it's been like one team, my last two, two roles, 
it's all kind of one team and we're, we're going at it, going at it together. Yeah, no, that, that's a really interesting answer. Cause I like what I've been told is like sales is you're hitting your numbers. You're more number driven. Uh, you're focused as more of an independent, whereas marketing is a team. And I think at the end of the day, I'm, they do have to work hand in hand together. Cause if you're not promoting the, your product or service or anything, you're not able to sell because yeah, no one knows about it at the end of the day. So, yeah. well, all and all of my marketing team, they all they're all measured. They all have quotas. Their quotas aren't pipeline like revenue. Well, huh. actually, they are. So, like my director of marketing, she has um, she has SQL. She has sales qualified lead and opportunity targets. So she is held to like her bonus is based off of her variable comp is based off of driving a certain amount of opportunities or sales pipeline. And then she's got another bonus component that's based off of marketing driven closed revenue. And then all the way down to like her team, she's got a team of, of three people, time people. And one of those people is our content marketing manager. Well, she's reporting how much, how she can actually, you know, reuse HubSpot as our CRM and marketing automation mm -hmm. platform. And they have revenue attribution reporting in there. So we can actually see what content we've created that's driving the most pipeline and also driving the most closed business for, for our team. So we measure everything, like any everything you do in marketing can be measured. Um, and then we even look at like, all right, we have line of business goals from like a sales perspective. We have to sell a certain amount of marketing retainers or a certain amount of websites or integrations that we're doing. And the marketing team has lead goals that are tied all the way back to those numbers, like for those lines of business, because we want to make sure we're not just driving a ton of leads that are just for integrations or just for web. If we have five lines of business, we need to have the right amount of volume. So it, yeah. it's, you know, it's yeah. Yeah, at the end of the yeah. day, like, it can be measurable working the deal like the sales reps like you know hand-to-hand -hand, like working that deal yeah but marketing's responsible for getting it really queued up for them so so i have a question about that i mean i had no idea about that and i'm not a marketing I major I, that um brings a whole new light for me i've never been described this in school so. um but i'm curious so is in your experience has this been the case at most of the places that you've worked or is it just smart bug that where you're working now I think where we are right this second is a culmination of everything I've always wanted over my career thus far. And it's just, it's what I've been working at and it's where technology has gotten and it's getting, it's growing in my career enough to have the street cred to be able to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then it's hiring the right people. Mm -hmm. But the things that we're doing now are things I knew I should have been doing six, seven years ago, but we weren't at a place to do it. Hmm. So it's part of it. it's like having that right environment and it's the right timing. Um, but what we're like at, at the level that we're performing right now, and we're still not like fully optimized the way I would like to be, but, but there are kind of more baby steps all, all along the way. I think it starts with just more marketing and sales being philosophically aligned mm -hmm. and like having some basic kind of like SLAs or like service level agreements between the two. And that's a good place to start. And then from there, you can just continue to iterate. But if you can measure everything, then you know like where you should be spending your time. Yeah, And yeah. you have that data, right? And then you have that data to go to your board or to go to your CEO or to go to whoever and be like, hey, 
we need, we, it makes sense for us to spend more money in this area because this is what it's yielding. So it's like sales, marketing, finance, all of those things. They're, they're all so intertwined. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You just kind of blown my mind here. <laughs> uh, my mind is, they don't teach right this now. in finance 311. They're like, you need to just do the accounting I homework. I should have majored in teaching, man. <laughs> oh yeah. This is all, this is the stuff you just learn on the yeah. job, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you just get, you get like, I, I, you, you, there are certain careers where it's like, you have to go and get more like formal education, right? Like you just, yeah. you, you got it, right? Like you don't want to go like have surgery tomorrow and have the surgeon be like, it's totally self-taught. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Not I played that fun. board game where I, I got really good. So I didn't get zapped, you know? <laughs> yeah. Operation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But some of it, it's like you do, you do get this just by learning. And that's what I would like. That's the advice I would give to your listeners. I would give to students is where can you go where you're going to get exposure to as much as possible and where companies are going to be transparent and you're going to, you're going to be part of it because whatever you think you're going to do, or whatever you think, you know, it's like, you're only barely scratching the surface. So the more you can just like get that kind of exposure, the better off you're going to be. I think the happier you'll be and the more control you'll have over your career. Yeah, awesome. that's, that is awesome. So we're going to shift a little bit of, uh, of gears here. So Mike and I, uh, I have you to thank, I have to admit for, um, I actually see it behind, behind you on the wall there, Dear Evan Hansen. Um, yeah. I wrote a paper because I saw the play at per your recommendation to my mom in New York. So I just, I just kind of switching gears a little bit. Mike and I are not in the know of the theater community. So is there something that we should be looking out There's for? There's gotta be something like, like post COVID. Is there like something that they've been working on where it's like, Oh my goodness, the next Hamilton or, or dear Evan Hansen. Oh, I wish I could tell you, I wish I could. Um, but it's been, it's been pretty sad. I mean, I, I still stay connected to, a lot of my friends in the theater community and I mean, they've been out of work for a long time. So, so that's been a challenge. Um, so I actually don't know kind of what's, what's next. Um, I can't tell you if as soon as humanly possible, if you can see Hamilton, if you haven't, and, and I, I do highly recommend that one for sure. Um, but I'm just so craving like live performing arts in general, I really don't even care what it is. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. As soon as I, I can go, I'm like, get me on a plane. I, I need to get to San Francisco or New York. Or, yeah. You know, I just need, I need it now. I know that they do do, or they have been doing some where it's uh, like they're recording them. Have you watched yeah. any of those or? Yeah. Yeah. Little bits, little bits here and there. I'm kind of a snob when it comes to some of this stuff too. Like the shows, like I, there are some, you know, what's been going on in my head actually during the pandemic are all of the shows I missed. Like mm. I never saw America idiot, American idiot. Like I'm mad at myself that I never saw that. Right. Uh -huh. um, yeah. I never saw like, uh, I never saw like come from away. I never saw, um, Hades town. I never saw kinky boots. I like, I'm just thinking about all of these shows. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I had opportunities. Why didn't I go? Why didn't I go? Like, well, I could. So yeah. I think I'm going to be playing a lot of catch up. Yeah. As you should. I mean, well, I think everyone's going to be playing a little catch up after this yeah. year, <laughs> but it's just, uh, just to add on, like I was, I, we, I kind of was being a little bit negative. Like my mom was like, we, we have to go see this play and i was like 
there's a couple of things also in New York I'd like to do maybe like it was just kind of like oh, okay cool like whatever and we went to Dear Evan Hansen I was it changed my like I was like I listened to the music I like have I bought the book I wrote a research paper I'm like so I I guess I have you indirectly to thank for that. So I just I, was. I recently just read the book as well. It's yeah, phenomenal. And he, and he read the book as well. So I can't stop singing the songs either. Oh, have you seen the TV show The Politician? Oh yeah, absolutely. I have I'm, not watched because that of because of Ben Platt, who's in the show. Yeah. 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 yeah I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Um, yeah, that's I. You know, my one of my like favorite moments when we were in when when we we took our kids to New York was. We saw, um, I, I said, I told like the group we were with, I said, I don't care what we do. I just have to see this show. Like that's yeah. my only request. I'll do anything else you want to do, but we have to see Dear Evan Hansen. And they, they wanted to see another show. So, um, water. so they wanted to see another show. And so we saw Mean Girls. And I thought for sure, all these teenagers were going to love Mean Girls over Dear Evan Hansen. Nope. Not even close. Nope. Yep. Yeah. But didn't you say there was like this big guy? Like no, it was on the news the next, like the morning I was there. Uh, they interviewed some of the actors and actresses in the in the in the play, and they were saying like one of the times I was in there, I walked out and there was this six foot five, two hundred and eighty pound person who was crying next to this petite, like fifteen year old girl. And it was like one of the most memorable things for them to to experience. So I was like, I, I immediately I was like, I kind of see why. So it was re- it was a really cool experience. So for, the, for those you, so for those listening, I would definitely recommend reading the book at least right now. If not, try and see it for sure. So so cool. So uh, we'll kind of uh, transition transition back into your career a little bit. Um, and I'm really curious about your kind of philanthropic efforts um, throughout your career because that's been something that. Um, we were looking through your, your LinkedIn profile and that was something very prominent, um, especially with girls in tech, um, at least recently. Um, can you kind of describe how you can, um, what has been some, what have, what have been, what has been super memorable about that? And and also how is that, um, how has that kind of created a lot of professional success and personal success in your career? I... So I have a hard time saying no, <laughs> which is bad. I need to work on that, right? I have a hard time saying, saying no. But when people come to me with, hey, this is this um, opportunity we have. You know, Here's something we want to do. And we really think you could help in this way. And I look and I go, wow, I really do feel like I can make a difference. It's something I just, I feel compelled to, to do. And there are times I've had to like say, no, like I don't have time. I don't, I can't, this is not something that I, I have the time for. Mm-hmm. With Girls in Tech, it was, you know, it's a global organization. They, um, Rebecca Clyde, who was the co-managing director, <clears throat> had recruited me and she wanted to try to reboot the chapter and the goal was she had a very specific goal. There was, and, I, and unfortunately, I can't remember this, but like I cannot remember the numbers. But there were, it was like whatever percentage of female leaders, female executives in technology companies, whatever that was, she had a goal of increasing it by X percent. Mm-hmm. And so that really appealed to me. Like, okay, I'm just not going to do something. I just want to be part of an organization that's just going to talk about stuff. I actually want to get some things done you want to ride the wave as you say yeah 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 yeah. well be part of it right yeah and Mm -hmm. and so 
And so I looked at like, okay, well, what are my strengths? What can I offer? I'm really well networked. I've got, I know all these people at that time I was running sales and marketing inside of a technology company. So I just felt like I could, I could help. And, um, and so that was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, and, 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 and honestly, it was just to like, look at how, how, what are the easy ways that I can add value to this organization, whether it was like introducing them to just donors and sponsors, or it was putting in an extra, you know, set of hands to work at an event on the weekend. Um, but whenever I would do it, I never regretted it. Right. I might wake up that morning going, geez, it's Saturday. I would really like to sleep in, or I really like to do something with my friends, but okay, let me do this. I, I committed to this. And then you go and you're like, oh my gosh, like this was such an amazing experience. But even getting the chance to meet other people and like selfishly, right? Like network with other people and build that kind of rapport and engagement. And it was, it was, it was really cool. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to do like alongside your career. And I would just, you know, advise listeners to, just be thoughtful about like how much time you have and kind of think about like what your priorities are and look for the right opportunities. Like I think at that time it was right for me to join the board, but if you would have, if they would have asked me the year before, maybe not, or like a couple of years later, maybe not either. Right. So you kind of mm. have to like look at that and see what the level of effort is and, and how you can really help. And sometimes just making introductions to people like really low level of effort of ways to help that don't take up a lot of your time can go a long way in that organization and, and make a big impact. And, and that's, that's like what more people should be doing that kind of stuff in my opinion. Yeah. That, that's a very admirable thing to be a part of. So I, I was like reading, a, I was reading it up on girls in tech and I was like, you're right. I mean, it is such a, um, just as you kind of talked about having like the X number of, of, uh, increase in, in the, in that percentage, it was like very tactfully created and like, we're going to do things, we're going to act. And so I was like, man, this is, again, this is just such a great example of why we want to learn from you because, uh, we want to be able to join and participate in these things in our careers and, and whatever that, that, in whatever capacity possible. Yeah, no, um. So kind of switching in or going moving forward here with your current role, um, I, I'm sure there's some individuals that are possibly listening that maybe their plan or goal is to get to where you are in a C-class um, role. Obviously, like a chief revenue officer, CEO, essentially. Um, could you just kind of describe a day-to-day of what you do? Because I... I feel like it's different for every company, uh, anything. Um, so just kind of like a day to day, like what is your job (laughs) essentially? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to explain to my parents what my job is for a very long time. They're, I don't think ever going to (laughs) understand. Um, but, but, so I am as chief revenue officer of Smartbug Media. I oversee our marketing, sales, and our client services team. So I I am responsible for our entire customer lifecycle journey. Think about when 
when someone is a stranger to us, to them discovering us, to becoming a lead, to converting into an opportunity, to mm -hmm. then becoming a customer and then an evangelist, hopefully, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's that, that's my frame of, of, of what I'm doing. And, and all of that is aligned to revenue within the organization. So responsible for bringing on net new revenue, for retaining existing client revenue and for growing wallet share among those clients. But I don't do that on my own, right? I've got a big yeah. team, I've got like about 80 people or so that kind of all in some way, shape or form roll up to me, but I have three direct reports. So I've got a director of marketing who's running all the marketing stuff, all demand gen, that early part of the buyer journey. I've got a director of sales who's responsible for that conversion of those opportunities into customers and then a VP of client services. And that's the majority of our team. And that's the delivery side of our business. And in a software company, it might be like a customer success. We, we call it client services. Um, and, and my job is spent, my, my day to day is spent coaching those three individuals, helping ensure they're getting the most out of their teams. And some of that, you know, they have managers also who are managing other people and making sure those mid-level managers are getting the training and resources that they need to be successful. It's, I'm also responsible for architecting new and, and iterating on existing revenue systems and channels. So for example, right now, one of my focus areas for Q2 is on um, growing some private equity and venture capital relationships, some that we have now, and then I've got my target account list of other PEs and VCs that I want to engage with, because that then creates a channel of new business for us. If we can, we have those sorts of relationships that's proved to be fruitful. I'm running a pilot with a couple of our sales reps um, to see how much, um, you know, how much our the market can maybe withstand some pricing increases. We haven't all changed our pricing in over five years. So I'm looking at that. I'm working with our VP of client services on better segmentation of our clients mm -hmm. because we've grown really fast. So when I joined the company in the fall of 2017, I think I was number 28. And now we're at like 128. Mm -hmm. So yeah. in terms wow. of employees. So like as you grow, like a lot of your systems and your structure has to change. And so we have a lot of processes that we implement for our customers, our clients at large. So I'm going through a segmentation exercise now where I'm trying to like create what are the different dimensions that we can analyze clients and then let's segment them out. Let's look for trends and let's look for what kind of a support system do those clients need in order to be successful so that we can be successful in keeping them as clients and growing revenue Yeah, and sprinkle in between there, like looking at NDAs and master services agreements and going back and forth with lawyers on red lines. Um, and then the occasional, you know, uh, uh, uh webinar or podcast. And that's pretty much a week for me. <laughs> That's Man, awesome. It's just all over so, the board. Kind of going back with what you said earlier, um, how this is kind of like the dream job because you're able to implement the things that you've wanted to do for so long. Are those things that you just listed the things that you're implementing or are there other aspects that you're trying to implement within the company right now? Well, those are kind of high, high level. So we think right now, like, where do we want to be? We have a goal of getting to a certain revenue size by the end of 2023. 
Mm-hmm. So we, as an, as an executive team, as a leadership team, we reverse out like, okay, well, where do we, what do we need to be doing now? Like, what do we need to accomplish this year to set ourselves up for success so that we can hit that revenue target for 2023, even though it's only 2021. Right. Yeah. And then each quarter, what are the different initiatives? And we refer to them as rocks. Um, and what are the different rocks that we need to tackle? We need to move out of our way or crush to help us get like hit that one year goal that's going to help us hit that more like that longer three year five year wherever we are in the process um hit hit that goal um as well so i think it's just it's very it's a very it's all very iterative and like every quarter i'll have kind of something new but overarching kind of it's it's all like how do we how do we improve that customer journey, that customer experience, and how do I remove friction both externally and internally so it's easier to do work with us? And the belief is that if we can do that, that revenue will grow, will be more successful, you know, and 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 everything will will kind of come. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 like it's it's a lot, so it's kind of like one 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 step at a time. I, I just take just picking up on this. Are you, you must be one of the best multitaskers. I'm I'm thinking here just just talking with you because like you must just have your hands on everything at one time. Like I'm such a like I open one drawer and I just I can't focus on the next thing. So like, oh, would you describe like how would you describe yourself in that capacity? Oh yeah, I'm I'm constantly looking for like the next best way to be organized. I think I have a book behind me that's like. Oh, the bullet journal method. I was like, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm like constantly wanting to try things. But I sort of like, I think I sort of thrive in a little bit of like a cyclone of chaos. Um, But one of the hardest parts of my job, like, like has been learning how to prioritize. And you can't just like focus on that one thing because as you start to like, 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 peel back layers you realize that it, it's it's not just one thing ever it's always like touching so many other things too yeah um so so it's but i do set i do say and we do this as an organization like everybody has a little bit of like a work system they use and we look at at the end of each week we look at what were our goals for the week and what did we accomplish and what's blocking us and then the next week it's like whatever and then and what are the goals for the next week and then that way you can look back and you say okay what did i accomplish you can look for trends and what's blocking you make sure that you're staying focused on the things that are most important because if i let myself i could just like live in my email and never get anything done and just like flat like just be totally lost so you have to come in to a certain extent and be like, okay, now this is what I'm going to focus on right now because this is what's most important to the organization. Yeah. yeah. No. Awesome. Well, awesome. So wrapping things up here, um, last question for you. If you could describe your mindset in your early 20s and how it's evolved to now, um, is it in fact the same? Is it different or is it like not even there? <laughs> Oh, this is like, this is hard because I think in my early twenties, I thought I knew exactly what I wanted and I figured out the path. I had my plan, right? This Mm -hmm. is the plan. This is what I'm going to do. And I didn't quite realize yet that plans were 
you know, made to be changed and broken. And there were things about the world I didn't even know existed. So, so I, I, I mean, I definitely was like trying to be a little bit fluid, but I still always like kind of had to have that roadmap and that plan. And I also used to approach, um, joining an organization, like I was in it for the long haul, like a very traditional way. Like my dad worked for the government. He worked for the social security administration, his entire life. He worked for them as soon as he graduated college and he retired from that organization. Right. And that's mm-hmm. like the same kind of path that a lot of, um, a lot of, of, of people of that generation that they were used to. And so I didn't realize that it would be okay to be like hopping around and jumping from company to company and changing, uh, you know, changing your, like, even like the, the type of work that you even do. Like, I, I didn't really realize how, how easy that, that might be. Um, I think what I did learn early, you know, I did learn even before I was 30 was it's important to grow my understanding of businesses and improve my business acumen. And I knew the more I can understand the way an organization works, the way a company makes money, the way a company loses money, like how businesses really thrive, that was the key to unlocking whatever else I wanted, I wanted to learn. That was like a instant kind of foot in the door. And I, I had had this moment, I think I was 30. I'm trying, like, I'm trying to think of like how old I was. Yeah. But I was in it. I was in a room. I was in a board, like a meeting room, board room. And I was the only woman, all these guys, all these guys like that were gray hair and khakis and um, kind of typical, you know, male boardroom situation. And I had this, opinion that like they knew more than I did. And like, I needed to keep my mouth shut and just listen and sitting through one of those. And I did for one of those meetings. Then I realized I know just as much as these guys, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, And, and so I, I think I just, that was kind of like game changing or having people say like, you need to speak up and, and, but it, it came with like paying attention and listening and just raising my hand to volunteer to try stuff out to try it on and see if it fit and how I liked it I think that's always been part of who I am though yeah Mm -hmm. that is yeah that is like the thing like our whole mission at Blue Tees podcast is like to hear stuff like that right and to hear it coming from you as somebody who we respect so much it's you know that's how we want to approach our careers is we can change we can be malleable Right. And mm-hmm. we can uh, we can shift and, and give back in the in the same capacity that you had said with girls in tech um, coming probably from a situation like that. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's phenomenal. So, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, like Matt said, I think at the end of the day, too, we're looking at it to look for mentors as well and look for insight and wisdom. And um we're so eager to learn right now as we're just about to jumpstart our careers. So um, thank you for everything. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, yeah. So, so thank you so much, Jen. Um, If you want to leave us with anything, um, just would let that be right now. Where can can people find you at? Um, Anything that you would like to say? So. Sure. Well, if you're if you're in love with all things sales and marketing, the, I would say check out my company's website, smartbugmedia.com. We produce an obscene amount of content, great resources all around kind of the methodology that I described. So 
Um, I, we have, we always have tons of students and folks early in their career that are consuming a lot of the content that we're creating and you can kind of get a feel for what, you know, what our marketing sort of process is like. Um, the other place I would direct people to also to learn and grow is HubSpot and HubSpot Academy that offers a ton of free, free resources around marketing, sales, service, web, all, all, all those, those good things. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active. So if you want to connect with me, um, just let me know that you heard me on this show. So I have some context for the, the, the accepting the invite. And, um, and then I would just like, Hey, like look for places where you can connect with others that it can be mentors. Like I have found it all along the way, whether it was girls in tech or, I'm a coach for SDR Nation for people early in their sales career. But then I'm also a part of a group called Revenue Collective, and I have a mentor there. And I'm learning from a, a COO slash CFO type because that's a deficit I have in my experience over my career. So um, I, I like to play in all those places and would love to, to, to better you know, connect with others and answer any questions folks have. That's that's perfect. So uh, so thank you so much, Jen, for for coming on as our week two guest, and uh, follow the Instagram page at Blue Tees Podcast. Um, actually, shortened up for Blue Tees Pod, and uh, and we'll see you guys next time.